0: Welcome to the In All Jest podcast. I'm Daryl, your host, and each week I take you on a hero's journey. I leave my safe, normal world and face many obstacles on my quest to publish not just one, but six epic fantasy novels. I hope you'll come along for the ride. You can find out more information at kingdarrylcom forward slash podcast. Hi there. This is episode 19, and as it turns out, it's being recorded on February the 19th, 2021. It's been two weeks when I laughed and cried while I wrote, and not because of my own stupidity. Since last time. Since last time, I recorded an in-between episode. Go me, I'm actually getting it done. As I promised, I would, which was chapters seven and eight from A Fool's Errand, or book one. That episode is episode 17, which you can find in the podcast episodes. All right. In the last two weeks, I have written 23,502 words, which is about eight or nine thousand less than the fortnight before. My current total is 166,187, according to Scrivener, which sits at 83% of the story, assuming 200,000 words is my end word count. If you like to do the maths, then the net difference is 21,898, so not 23,502. And that's because, of course, I keep taking stuff out, putting words in, There's a fair bit of culling in this bit. There was a number of chapters and scenes that had been hanging around from before, which I got rid of. The biggest problem I have is that to meet the February 28 deadline, which is only uh, nine days away, and that's less than nine days of actual writing, I would need to do around 4,400 words a day. So you can see that that's blowing out past most probability. I do have time this weekend in theory to smash out some words, but if I do 4,400 both days, that's nearly 9,000 words, which is about the maximum I get done on a weekend unless I really go nuts. So pray for me, folks, that I actually get to sit down and just go bang straight off uh, and not have to do lots of poking around and research and fixing things. Where is the story at? I have been completing what I call the middle build. I like that term from Sean Coyne's story grid, also known as act two. It's the main journey section of the story. It's sort of 50% of the story. So the way it's broken up, act one, roughly 25%, act two, 50%, act three, 25%. So I'm now heading towards the climax and resolution that happens in act three and bringing the book to a close. I pretty much have the ending already written because I did that originally. Although there is going to be change to what happens in it. Some of the things that I did originally wouldn't stack up now. I have a lot more ways I can bring that ending out and make it even better. So I'm looking forward to getting to that point when I get there. And what is different to book one was that because I cut the book when I did book one, I didn't have an ending anymore. That was enough of a climax resolution. And it was really just, oh, I'm stopping at this place and now I need to write it. So the whole time I was editing book one, I was uncertain about the ending. Whereas I'm a lot more certain about the ending I have in place at the moment. We'll see if I'm as certain when I get there, but I'm not there yet. One of the most enjoyable and yet saddest set of scenes I've written about happened this fortnight and it relates to something known as The Fool's Cart, C-A-R-T. It was mentioned a little bit in book one but only slightly. Uh, More of it comes out in Fool Me Twice and during one of the chapters I actually shed a couple of tears uh, while I was writing it. That was new or unique to me. I haven't actually experienced such direct emotion while I was in the midst of writing. But this particular chapter really got to me. And the follow-up chapter as well. And a couple of preview people that look at my uh, work. Both experienced similar things in one or the other of these combined uh, chapters. Another set of scenes. I have myself laughing out loud and Lot. I was able to pull off a flip of something in the way that it should or could have played out. If I let it run its course about exactly how things were going to happen, it would have been, you know, much more of what you would expect. And the way I got to resolve it uh, was different. And the interactions between a couple of characters were, I really enjoyed. I felt they were crackers and I just made a lot of fun. And it was a real kick to write a number of the characters uh, in the series have been facing and resolving to different degrees a lot of obstacles to their goals there's been a lot of heat turned up on them across the whole of the continent almost feel like I've been deliberately poking them and antagonizing them and trying to get them at their worst and then force them to be at their best or to fail. And, you know, that's kind of fun. I'm deliberately and actively doing it while I'm writing, not in the editing sequences. And as I've said in the last couple of episodes I've recorded, I'm really hoping that's going to give me the ability to be better about the way I approach the editing cycle. I have hit some difficulties bringing certain plot points to a close now that I'm getting towards the ending of the book. I suppose what I mean is that I'm having to think more about the sequences and options before I write particular scenes. I don't have the freedom to just write them and let them bubble out the the need to be across the impact on this in the timeline doesn't match up how will I get all those things lined up and I'm having to refer back to the timeline a lot to see where everyone's at and make sure the idea that I want to put in there is now going to play out in the light outlining that I did now that I've got all of these other pieces lined up I'm just having to adjust that. And so in some days when I'm writing, I could spend an hour or so just getting clear about those elements. It does mean that I've also thought a lot about how I will outline for book three, and I am looking to do a bit more learning and practice a more detailed form of outlining that will help me resolve a lot of these issues before I sit down to write the story itself, which will be another progression. I can see how that'll allow me to power through without the same number of blocks. I know I can write in really good chunks if I didn't have to think too much about what's going on. So I will be looking at that. Now's not the time to do it with so much of this book written and a deadline that I want to meet. So I'm just going to keep going the way I am. Reflecting on... The the issues I'm talking about, they are really small in comparison to a fool's errand. In book one, I was learning so much, having to think so much at each stage of what I was doing, so it took a lot longer. What's happening here is I might be half an hour, an hour, where I'm having to think through things, but I'm not getting stuck to the point that I can't write or I don't know what to do next. And I am actually excited about getting the manuscript finished and moving into the next phase. The next phase for me will be using the story grid template and mapping out the whole book. I'm going to combine a couple of things. As I do that, I'm going to do some minor wiki updates, particularly around new characters and settings that are in there so that I get them in at this stage because they will help all of my editorial team as well as myself on in reflection on the book. But I'll do the story grid and then I'll get into resolving the issues I bring up and, and just starting editing scenes and chapters as I go, having a new process with more outlining and a simpler path to completing and getting it published will help me get to my long-term objective, which is at least one novel a year, if not 1.25 or 1.5. And clearly that means I'll just be speeding up the pace without the ability to just stop doing everything else. There's only so many hours in a day. So the more efficient I can be around all my other activities will be very helpful. What comes next? Well, I'm playing catch-up. As the numbers at the beginning of the episode said, to finish the novel, i got to do a lot of writing. If I do finish it before I record the next episode, though, I think you all need to buy me chocolate bars. And I'm going to hold you to that. It will be very important because I'll have done some craziness if I actually get there. I do believe, I think the story is going to run over 200,000 words, so I can't really see it making it by then, so you're not really up for too much. But I will keep writing exactly the way I'm doing, five days a week, as many words as I can, heading towards the end of this manuscript. In other exciting news, we have an interactive map coming for you, the readers and listeners. I'm not gonna say too much about it, but I've had my team working on it. And once we've ironed out the final bugs and got the design implemented, we'll be loading the data. And I'm really excited to share that with everyone. I haven't seen anything done like the way we're doing it. Uh, It's pretty neat. My team's been excellent at it, bringing the idea up and helping put it in place. And when I share it, I hope you'll find it really cool as well. Well, for now, that's about it. I gotta go and finish this draft. Hang around for one bite at a time. One bite at a time. Telandra. I believe it's my turn to report, Beantic said as she stood. Her tick was active and she stood behind her chair, grasping the back as if to hold it in. Are you alright? Lionel asked. It's the stress that's activating it. I'll be fine. So, Bia, it seems there's about to be a lot of activity in your area. What else do you have to report on in the Northern Realms? Talandra asked. I've been trying to keep you up to date on the wheat shortage in the North. I received a worrying missive at the end of last week. What was that? Mother, as I've reported before, the shortage came from ruined stores. This new report suggests that stores were deliberately ruined. Talandra's eyebrows raised sharply. How so? It's widespread in almost every store in Malamek, between Ramah and as far south as the northern outskirts of Nidor. It spans all the way to the Sissy Mountains and everywhere in between. While a weak crop could explain it, it's far too comprehensive in its extent for it to be just a bad season. How can your source be so sure? They've been to over 80% of the storehouses and looked at what happened. In every case, not just some, but every case, The attendants found dead rats that were unusual. Unusual? Juntha had stopped writing and was looking intently at her. Yes, they've never seen this type of rat before. They were an unusual dark brown with a white tail, and they were all dead in the same buildings as where the wheat was stored. I've never heard of such a creature before. Juntha started writing hurriedly on his papers. That's not the worst of it. It seems the seed crops were also affected. I have to say, it's my conclusion that this was sabotage. Sabotage? That's a strong claim, Biantic, Lionel said. Yes, Lionel, it is. I have no other answer. Coupled with the reports of the dirks that have been spotted across the north, it has me deeply troubled. No one spoke for a few minutes. Talandra broke the silence. This is very serious. The reason we sent poor Ash away was mostly due to the increased presence of Dirks, Spotted and Daratan. Their numbers have increased in recent years, as we all know, but if they are behind this, then it's a different matter altogether." Are we sure it's them? That seems like we're making connections without any proof, Juntha raised his voice. Who else could it be, Juntha? Have we considered who profits from Malamank losing all its wheat? That's a good question. Talandra slowly looked around the table. "Beer, what other realms?" I've already been trying to work out if that's a likely scenario. Now, is set to profit initially from this, and Nordahl has started purchasing from Vika. They don't have enough stored to truly profit from it, though. So I don't see how they're likely to have set out to harm them this much. Morska already buys in more than it grows. Lilitum is a delicate balance year on year. Which leaves Thabeng or the southern realms? What of Descara Junta? I've been trying to think through that while you were talking. My question was as much to me as anyone else. I can't see it in truth. There's so much distance between them. Wheat is the least likely trading commodity to ship so far from there. That lose a portion just in the travel, and the amount needed would be too great. Has there been word of anyone opening up new farming zones, B? Talandra asked. Nothing in my reports for the last year that would suggest that. While we don't cover the whole countryside, I doubt someone could keep that amount of farming hidden for long. Talandra gently rubbed at the bruise on her head. It was a worthy question, Junta, but I still feel that Endurk is involved in this. The question then would be why. Any thoughts? It's the most important of all the food supplies. I could imagine it sowing unrest amongst the communities. Malamig doesn't trade wheat, but they'll have to buy it in, which will cost them. But I'd have to say the unrest is the only reason I can think of. Lionel was the quickest to respond. It would have had to have been a cleverly coordinated plan to get the infected animals over from Endirk, and then transport them to the stores across Malamig. How did we miss something like this? Zalandra looked at Biantic. Biantic's head twitched repetitively, her mouth twisting a little each time it did. Whether it was them or... Or someone else our network failed to notice whoever was at it it would appear that we're only looking for information about what we know in the safety of the cities and major towns i agree bear i'm not looking for anything from my zones that isn't part of the normal let's meet up later and work out what we need to get lionel to spread for us thanks junta if those who work around daratan with this level of sophistication then i would suggest there's other things we're missing as well I think the times are changing and we might not be adapting quickly enough. Anything else, B? Talandra asked. Nothing. I'm awaiting more information about the reported murders of the caravan once again in Malamag. Until I have enough to inform you with, I don't want to jump to conclusions. I'm more worried about getting our hands on Ash's things than even the wheat. I'll worry about that. Let's focus on improving what the circuit is doing. My concerns haven't gone away over the last few years. There's something out there that's focused on our world and we need to become more vigilant than ever. We should escalate the level of vigilance, Lionel. We've been at the basic level, but that needs to change. You should send out the signal for a yellow alert. Noted, Mother. Junta, how about you? Junta put his quill down and moved the papers with his hand before looking up. Summer down south has been productive from an earnings perspective. Leo Letod seems to be settling into his rule fairly nicely. Sadly, that means he's cleaned house a fair bit, and change can be a little disruptive. I've had a snippet of a rumour that they're constructing larger ships in Unkent. For any purpose? None that I know of. It seems to be experimental, I would imagine, to be able to push further east and avoid the sea blockades along the coasts. It seems to be early stage at this point. There seems to have been some diplomatic arguments with King An. Discari has been trying to get more gold, but... Leolotod has upped the price to them. There was also a report of the Kistan border being fortified with more soldiers. That's not helpful, Dallandra replied. It's happened before as a way of sending a message. This time there appears to be an equally stern response from An. He has knights patrolling the border and everyone travelling across is stopped and interrogated, even simple traders. There's definitely no love lost there. Who do we have to give us more timely information? The keepers are our best eyes at the moment. I was going to petition that we consider getting Goran down there until today's news. Really? Lionel sounded surprised. I don't like his methods, Lionel, but I'm acutely aware of our lack of consistent information coming out of Descaro. So we need to consider moving someone then. Talandra looked at Lionel and then to Juntha. I'm not sure we have anyone we can afford to move. What about Gimden? Lionel asked. Talandra took a big drink from her cup placing it down when she finished. He is the most likely. It would make sense, as we haven't been getting much value out of Waters End. I have to make my annual trip to Middleville soon. Perhaps I need to move the timing of that forward. Is it that time already, Mother? It is, Tulai. I have to swap out the mother stone. It's almost time. I'd rather do it earlier than leave it late. Talandra thought about the stones in the tower above them. Eleven perfectly carved, clear stones circled around the larger mother stone. They were from the Sedatal stone that lived within Mount Qum. Each year, the leader of their court had to make the pilgrimage back to Minabul to recharge the mother stone. While it was gone, the power of the stones in Anderwell was weakened, and Talandra always felt the pressure of time when she made the trip. I have always worried about you making that trip alone, mother, Juntha's face was creased with concern. Are you suggesting I can't take care of myself? Talandra raised her eyebrows at him. Truntha chuckled. Of course not. Just that it's such an important item for us all. Should anything happen to it, he didn't need to finish the sentence. I would suggest if we send a whole party every year, it would attract a lot more attention. Besides, the rule is only the mother can carry the mother stone and must make the pilgrimage alone. The table fell silent again. Well then, I should discuss this with Gimden on my way there. He's been asking for a different placement for some time now. Where would we place him? Kisten or Deskare? I believe that Deskare would be the better place. I get a sense we're missing something down there, Juntha answered. Bandok it is then, Talundra stated. Anything else? Can we focus on expanding our reach down there overall, Lionel? Juntha queried. Lionel nodded. And Mother, perhaps the first of the hospitality students to go out, could go south as well. Agreed. The room fell quiet again while Talandra made a note on the page in front of her. Oh, of course. What, Mother? Lionel asked. With Ashantha passing, I'll have to go to Middle anyway. There will be a new ring. Where's the light? Bientik asked. Talandra looked up from a paper. What do you mean, B? Bientik pointed towards the location on the map. Where middlebilt was located there's no purple light talandra nodded her head you're right concern crept across her face as she thought about it. lionel spoke up maybe it takes time talandra we've never been in here when someone has passed before true enough well i'll still need to collect a new ring from tangferlu it seems you'll need to decide on who will take the audition as well talandra shook her head you're right that adds all sorts of complications now, including heading south to the Carver. I'll need to go to Midabult soon if we're going to have an audition in time. Suddenly, she could feel pressure building on all sides. Ashanta's loss was bad enough, but now the need to replace him within two full moons added increased urgency. She had been sure that sending ash was the correct thing to do, but now it felt like things were unravelling. Had she made a bad decision? Had she misread the vision she had had? Lionel's cough broke her out of her thoughts. If I'm to get it all done in time, I must leave within days. I'll return here with the stone before I head south to the carver. Junta, can you send a messenger there advising them of my plans? He nodded in confirmation to her. Talandra picked up her bauble. If there's nothing else... She waited, but no one else had anything to say. Then she tapped the head of the bauble on the table three times. Meeting closed. Meeting closed. We have a lot to do, people. I think we may have to meet again before the next full session. Let me know if anything urgent comes up. The room came alive, with everyone getting to their feet. The door was opened, and they carried their candles and drinks out to the table. Talandra hurried off along the hall and told Milford he was right to clean up as she got to the top of the stairs. Her heart was still heavy with the loss of Ashantha, and she wanted some privacy to grieve. Thanks for listening to this chapter of the In All Jest podcast. For the show notes and more about this podcast, visit kingdaryl.com forward slash podcast. You can contact me through that site and find me on Twitter at I Reckon. If you enjoy the show, please tell others, share my posts, and review it on your favorite podcast platform. Till next time.